0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hawks and Handsaws. I am Eric, your host, and that over there is Brad, the Hello. other host. Yes All righty, folks. so today we have um well, this is kind of a weird topic for you, I suppose. But we're going to talk about boredom. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, this is a little bit of a strange topic. Um, what I guess we can start with what is uh, what what is our thought process here, Brad, in your mind's eye? Why did we come up with this as something worth talking about?
1: Uh, you you brought it up. It's what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you you agreed pretty readily. So you must have had something on your mind.
1: Sure. So uh, to, to reenact the series of events, we're like, hey, what's our next podcast episode going to be about? And you're like, well, I was thinking boredom. I'm like, I got thoughts about that. And then we high-fived and yeah, wrote it down. But the reason why I high-fived so readily was because I've had thoughts about this. Um, and that started, I don't know, early in college, maybe a little sooner than that, about time and my usage of time, my usage of media, my usage of entertainment, um, what that means, how much is good, how much is bad, um, and like just what it means, what, what happens like... <laughs> so, I don't want to get into like the topics too much but i had a lot of thoughts about it and it's it started a good i don't know six years ago for me when i really dived into this topic and tried to understand understand boredom and the positives and negatives of it i guess yeah related to the usage of time and entertainment specifically
0: good so so you're including entertainment and all that stuff and what it is that we're doing with our time Um, in your mind's eye, what, I guess, what is boredom to you?
1: So boredom to the world and nothing to society and English speakers always. Like they think of it as a negative thing, right? Like this is a, an undesirable state. You are uncomfortable. You are bored. You are like, they all kind of fit in the same category of, it's not like a, you're not an excruciating pain it's not like life-threatening but it is a you're uncomfortable and so you should take action to you know mitigate that or change that but it's not a physical state necessarily it's a mental state a mental state of uncomfortableness your, your brain is wanting a change and you're not you're not getting that
0: yeah yeah i think i i think i largely agree i tried to nail down what i thought my definition was and i agree it's it's a dissatisfaction Um, but it's not like a depressing thing either. It's not like a, I'm mad at the world. It's, it's a mild dissatisfaction. Mild, absolutely. Um, but it's a, it's, so it's a mild dissatisfaction with like your current activities, your current engagement in an activity or a lack of activities occurring. (laughs) Yes.
1: And I would even say like lack of, uh, lack of. Input, perhaps, like a stimuli. Sure, sure. Right? Because,
0: I mean, you can be doing something, though, and still not be bored. It's just a dissatisfaction with what's going on and how engaged your mind is in the process, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So, if we're going at it with this idea of a dissatisfaction, that you are dissatisfied with what is going on at the time how is it that we resolve that issue
1: well apply entertainment is the obvious answer but that's that's not always applicable in the situation so um, a classic example of boredom is a classroom setting right you have like a that English teacher keeps rattling on about English being so great. And uh, you're you're just not really connecting with it. And and so like you you tune out because you're bored. You're bored of what's what's being said, what's being taught, whatever it is. Um, And I'm picking on English because you're an English teacher, obviously. (laughs) But every subject I've had has had teachers that have said it in an engaging way and in a not engaging way. And then there's me, the receiver of whatever is happening. I also play a, a large part of. Am I re- actively receiving this, or am I, you know, tuning out? And the boredom factor, I think, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing because I've had terrible teachers that displayed information as bland as you can get it, but I forced myself to be engaged and was therefore not bored. Because the material itself was important. So the importance of it overcame the boredom. And then I've had teachers that were pretty good, but I just didn't care about the subject. And so I slipped into that boredom thing and then just I don't know. But the the mitigation for that boredom wasn't do something else, because I'm in a classroom. I can't just, you know, read a book, watch a movie, do like a a media thing to plug in the the holes there like it it became i'm I'm leading into further things i want to talk about later but it it became just (laughs) a i disengaged my brain from paying attention to what i was supposed to be in that situation i didn't necessarily fill the gap with anything but i disengaged but when it's in a home setting where i'm sitting on a couch. I don't have work. Um, wife and kid are off doing something. It's just me and the cats. You know, lock the cats in a different room or something. So they're gone. So it's just me, and uh, I didn't get to choose what to do. I have a variety of things I can do, and like I, I might want to read. I might want to watch a movie. I might want to play a game. Um, th- those are the my top three things to do when that situation arises. Uh. Of late, I've been trying to do different things such as make a podcast, edit a podcast, um, things like that. Like I, am trying to branch out with my free time activities a little bit, but usually it's those three things read, watch something or play something. Okay.
0: Interesting. I think you covered a lot of ground here in I did. a very short amount of time. <laughs> I, did. I did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I oh, think it interesting though.
1: After your, your point, apologies. Oh, okay.
0: No, no, no worries. I, I was just I thought it interesting though that you you pointed out both like uh, et, engagement in an activity seems to be both internal and external at the same time because you gave your example of being in a classroom setting. A lot of it comes down to the teacher helping you to be engaged in the material. A really good teacher can get you engaged in material that you absolutely have no interest in. I had this teacher that taught about assessment in schools. That's I mean, I can't think of anything that sounds more tedious than testing, (laughs) but this guy was passionate about it and he was just a really good speaker. And I was like, you're right. Testing is amazing. We should do more with this. But then by the same token, like what happens when you have a bored teacher? Are you a boring teacher? Are they automatically making you bored because they are boring? Is it, you know, it's their fault that you are bored? Well, you brought up, there's, there's an element of agency in that. You don't yeah. have to be bored. You can choose to not be bored. You can change your mental state even though the state around you has not really altered. So anyway, yeah. that was very interesting things for you to point out, I think. Well, I have
1: to make another comment about that. Like I, I take great stock in personal agency. And whenever it is implied that my choices are outside of my control, for whatever reason, um, I get very defensive about that. So You could have the most boring teacher ever you can make this teacher actively hostile against the student i can still choose to learn from that teacher like that teacher cannot take that away from me because that is my choice (laughs) so i i can choose to overcome that obstacle to engage and learn um and like i've i've done that in my in my life um, quick example: I was in a, on a golf team in high school. Um, I was a little quieter and uh, kind of shy. And when my the assistant coach, for some reason, um, took offense to that, I'm not sure. He asked me to adjust my grip when I was putting, and I tried it, and I was having trouble with it. And I'm like, "Hey, coach, um, I, I tried that thing you were doing; it's not really working for me." And uh, that's how my memory. Has me saying it i could have said it differently but um my assistant coach at that point is like well you're just uncoachable we're not going to coach you anymore and so i'm like okay and i didn't know what to say at that point so i said okay i went back to the putting green and i did my best to learn so i stood up the rest of that season every practice without the team or coaches talking to me and i practiced and learned on my own <laughs> because they just stopped like I, I did not let them being hostile towards me stop me from trying to learn what I was trying to learn. And so like that, relating it back to boredom, it would be really easy just to sit there and not have any coaching happening and just be bored during practice. But I, I went out of the box and tried to do it myself. So 100% the receiver has a huge responsibility to receive in an instruction. Setting.
0: Well, I, I think you know, even beyond an instruction setting, I think your rule applies to boredom in general. That you can be sitting there watching paint dry, and be engaged if you choose to be so. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's true. It's a it's a state of mind, a state of being that's uh, up to you in a lot of regards. I think. Yeah. All right. So in reference to your question though, like, well, you, you returned my question back at me, I guess. Um, yeah. Like the easiest route to go to alleviate boredom is of course, any form of entertainment that we have so readily accessible to us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Television, um, the phone in your pocket is just so easy to grab onto. And it's got music. It has, uh, movies. It has books. It has articles. um Yeah, it's so crazy, addictive, and easy to just let yourself be engaged in that regard. Oh, here's something engaging, but it's a weird kind of engagement, too, isn't it? Uh, I I think that's kind of where we're starting to get to, is that it's not about like you feel fulfilled, but it's something that your mind is content with, or the time being and i'm not sure why because if we're talking about this dissatisfaction that is boredom what is it that our phone is doing for us (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. with this this state of being i'm not sure
1: to be perfectly honest i've got a theory yeah if i may posit this theory um i believe speaking about phones specifically that it's the break of monotony like the, the novelty factor like novel things gets our brain all excited about stuff it's like it's new it's exciting um i heard someone talk about your phone as being that thing that makes everyone a king um and i was like okay what, what, does, what does that mean and they, they get into more detail when you're on your phone Everything is at your beck and call. Like, based on your whims, you know, things happen, um, even beyond entertainment. But through your phone, like, I want food brought to me. You know, you push the button on your phone, and then food is brought to your house or brought to your location. I need someone to arrive in a vehicle and pick me up. I need entertainment. I need music, you know, jester, dance for me, you know, like, Everybody becomes like a king. No,
0: it's it's Siri dance for me. Siri
1: dance for me. Hey Alexa. Um, so like it, it's that. That's what phones I've seen do to me. Like it it satisfies like my most selfish and self interested desires. Like that's what my phone does. And so when it gets to entertainment and directly about boredom, it's all about novelty you know what's going on in the news i can just click the button and i can scroll through all the news that's entertaining to me get bored of that switch to the next step go through my twitter feed and look at all the stuff from all the people i follow on twitter go through all of that get bored of that okay where do i go next and like i i should probably speak to the times when i was using my phone the most but like i had instagram i had um You know, these games I checked into all the time, like Clash of Clans or Clash Royale, where there's incentive to check back daily. And so that kind of triggered in my mind. So I was just going through, checking all the boxes of every single app I have, because each it's new every day. And my brain wanted that, like, low-level stimuli. Like, there was nothing like, when I booted up Clash Royale or something on my phone, I didn't open it expecting something revolutionary. It's the same. It's always been the same um, you, you click the box you open the chest you get a couple cards you didn't want and you go to the store you click on the free thing you don't buy the other things because microtransactions are the worst and like you just you get into like this routine of small little dopamine hits of like bare minimum novelty <laughs> to keep your brain satisfied and I think that's what what it is it's like the uh, the bare minimum, To not be bored, I think is what my phone usually serves up, at least it did.
0: Interesting. So, uh, I guess, is is this worse now than it was before? Like, phones being an issue and being an alleviator for boredom, is this a problem then?
1: Yeah, okay. Well, this is the point I've been trying not to make too early. I think boredom is a great thing. I've decided because um, in college, I had a professor who said exactly the same thing, and he was a very eccentric and creative person. Um, but he, he taught that in order to be creative, you have to be bored to do it. And I was like, what are you talking about? That seems weird. Like, I like listening to music when I'm being creative. Like, I'm not bored doing that, but I missed the point but it stuck with me i don't remember much of what he taught beyond he didn't like my shirt design and he taught me that boredom is important um but what happens when you're bored like everybody's been bored before and you don't immediately reach for your phone or you don't immediately reach for a book or a movie or whatever what happens your brain starts looking for things to entertain itself to to satisfy this whatever this urge is this urge for novelty for whatever and so if you're stuck in a dentist office right you have all those magazines and they're all terrible so you don't pick one of those up you look around at the other people maybe you're alone in this dentist office waiting what happens to your brain your brain starts making up stuff your brain itself starts filling in the gaps right and that's where like daydreaming comes into play. You start getting creative. You start getting um, all these really cool ideas. And I, th- I think that's just, it's present in our culture. I just don't think people have identified it. It's like, I had this great idea in the shower, you know, like, well,
0: can't have your phone in the shower. Can't have your phone in the shower.
1: <laughs> You're not listening to music in the shower. Like, you know, like all of the normal entertainment stuff is gone. And the, Act of taking a shower is just very routine and mundane and so your brain fills in the gaps and starts having these creative ideas these really cool thoughts and people are like i had the greatest idea in the shower did my best thinking in the shower it's because you're not having your thinking done for you by something else like your brain engages as soon as you stop engaging it with external media so i think it's really important to be bored sometimes
0: Okay, so I think I think you just now made a very important connection for us in what we have already talked about this idea of external versus internal um, solutions to boredom, and it seems to me that the the problem that we have identified here is that the phone is the like the Uber external boredom alleviator. <laughs> It's just there always, it's ready to be used and it is something that will engage you always very quickly and it does it on its own. But when you're forced to not have any external, um, engagers, then your brain is forced to click on and engage itself.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And once it starts engaging itself, then it's coming up with these cool ideas. Yeah, you know, I wonder if I could, uh, or (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wonder about how this works and starts pondering the questions of the universe and all this stuff. Yeah, cool. Interesting connection.
1: Very good. Um, Well, I I have to ask now, was this your thought when you suggested this idea? Is this something that you've thought about or is this... Novel to you
0: as of right now. No, this is, this is novel. I don't know that I had thought of it in so many words. I, I haven't been leading this discussion toward this direction at all. <laughs> <So Yeah. laughs> I was, I was just observing from everything that you've been telling me so far, you know, with the, the whole, um, teacher being engaging versus you being engaged. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so we got the external versus the internal. And then you made this other excellent point. So yeah, I'm kind of figuring this stuff out as you are saying them. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's interesting then. Um, And I'm wondering, so, you know, I'm kind of stuck in a classroom setting all day most days (laughs) and you brought it up to start with. So you're the one to blame, but I'm starting to think a lot of just boredom because boredom happens so frequently in classes and what is it that we do to engage ourselves? Uh, the phone now I'll have to say is a bigger problem than it's ever been. People are pulling out their phones while people are talking, while people are giving lectures and everything. And it's used as a distractor from everything that's going on, presumably because, well, oh, I'm not interested. I don't really care what you have to say. I'm not interested in English. Um, and you can be engaging too. You can potentially be an engaging teacher, but your students would never know it because <laughs> <laughs> they're occupied with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I- I'm trying to think like phones weren't, but when I was in school, we didn't have smart phones. It <laughs> wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. I had a flip phone. Once I got really fancy, that sucker was a polyphonic ringtone phone. Woo! Didn't just beep at you. It actually had different noises. You could hear <laughs> like different instruments on that ringtone. <laughs> anyway. I think that phone had like a speaker phone too, which was like, no way speaker phone, which they all do this stuff now.
1: You're old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy. Anyway. So the phone wasn't really something that we reached for, for entertainment. I'll, I'll have to say that then and now, if I'm looking for engagement from my phone, the biggest thing that I hope is that I have a text message. I think that's the thing that gets me excited the most is like, Oh, I got a communication from somebody. Otherwise I just end up like idly browsing something because I was checking if there was a text message and there weren't. And well, now that I'm here, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so, um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing that engages me the most, but, prior to that being in classes what did i do if i was bored and while you were talking about your being in classroom situations i got to thinking about um my note taking like how i would take notes especially in college uh i i guess i took a leaf out of my dad's book a little bit and he doodles and i doodled so much my notes were crazy i remember i had i was in this anthropology class um and a kid came up to me one time. He's like, hey, uh, so I, I missed class last time. Can I can I borrow your notes from last time? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So I flip open to my notes page and I had like half the page filled up with this giant bat <laughs> flying in the air. And I'm like, yeah, just ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what what was interesting about that, though... Is it seems to stem from this idea of boredom, right? That I'm not engaged. I'm not actively like, whoa, what's what is she talking about up there? She is a, a female professor. Um but I was occupying my mind. So there was there must have been some boredom. I was discontent with the state of not moving, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, so I, I figured out some way to fidget and do it in a productive fashion. So I fidgeted while drawing things. That was my fidgeting, was drawing things. Um, I was still able to pay attention at the same time, and drawing somehow engaged me in the material a bit more too. I'm able to actually catch on to what she's saying more because I'm doing some doodling. And I'm not sure how this this all fits in with the process of of boredom.
1: Well, I think you I think had something really important there. Um, people speaking and listening to people speak doesn't engage all of your brain. Like your, your brain's capacity is much greater than that. That's why we can read faster than we can talk. You know, or like your process speaking, that's why people put on um, like YouTube videos or whatever... whatever Auditory stuff they're listening to, they just crank it up to 1.5 or 2 times speed because the normal cadence of people speaking isn't fast enough for them. Um, yeah. I was, um, I was building a website for learning purposes and I was going through it. And one of the, um, standards for web design now is to support notes for screen readers. So those who have, um, you know, visual impairments they can't see as well. They have screen readers help them tell them it's on the web page. And they had a sample of what that sounded like. And I, I played the clip and I couldn't understand it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what? What was that? Like, it was so fast. I My brain could not understand it. So I listened to it like 20 times trying to understand what was being said. And like, it it was mind blowing to me. It's just, I wasn't used to words being read that fast um, in that particular tone because it's like a computer voice saying it. But those people with screen readers, that's like just opening a website and they get hit with this wall of sound, again, from my opinion, that it's so fast. But our brains are capable of processing it at that speed. And so when you have a professor who stands up in front of a class Starts pointing to like your PowerPoint, you know, pause for effect. Next point here on the PowerPoint, like it is (laughs) your brain's like, okay, guys, (laughs) I, I can do this. This is fine. And you're filling up that threshold of boredom with a creative outlet. You're doodling, right? Your brain filled in the gap with something creative to get to that threshold of being comfortable. And it could still do the other thing, because it was barely causing your brain to function. (laughs) It wasn't really doing anything. So I think that's awesome. I think that's a really great point. And like I've I always had that same opinion. Like, well, if you're doodling, you're just not engaged, you know. So that there's something wrong. Either the teacher's not engaging enough or the students not engaged enough. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think both parties are probably doing fine you just needed to do something else. And that's, that's cool. Cause, um, my wife always fidgets constantly when she's doing something that just requires her to listen. Um, like she's currently crocheting. She crochets constantly now and she has like full on conversations while doing it. I'm like, that's cool. I, I wouldn't do that, but I get why your brain says you want to do that <laughs> and you do the same. So that's cool.
0: You know, it's, uh, It's interesting. I I wonder if it's an allocation of thinking resources that we're talking about here, you know, that you you have this idea that somebody's speaking a certain speed or whatever, and your brain is able to handle that really well. It's like, great, I got it. What else can you load on me? You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm a workout machine. That was easy. Come on, give me something hard. And so it's this desire to be more fully engaged. It's like, you're barely using anything here. Let's, let's up the ante. And Mm -hmm. so throwing in some doodling in there, it's like, all right, cool. I'm listening and I'm drawing. I got to think about these shapes that I'm making and what kind of design this is going to be And wait, Does the shadowing go on this side of this? Where's my light source Mm -hmm. (laughs) all while listening to anthropology or whatever. But I was thinking, you know, if a teacher now suddenly asks me a really deep intellectual question that I've got to think like, wait, what? I'm stopping my doodling. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm going, it's like, I will look up and stare off into the distance to reallocate those brain resources. It's like, I've got to take a pause here. I can't be thinking about this drawing because this one deserves some attention. And so I don't know if it's necessarily that the teacher was boring. Sometimes you got to get some less than exciting stuff out there and you still have to learn it. Um, But sometimes like there are some intensely thought provoking activities that you just can't do other activities at the same time and be effective about it. You know, and I think maybe that's where that staring off into space comes in. It's like your, your, your mind is totally engaged now in what it is you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, and it requires, <laughs> you can't do anything with your body because it's fully focused on what's going on in your head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's this podcast, we're talking to each other, right? Uh-huh. I would, I, I would struggle to doodle here in this context yes. yes and like because yes we're speaking and yes we're listening to each other but when i'm not speaking i am taking the words that you're saying and processing them at a higher level than yep. passive receiving from a teacher like this is a very cognitive exercise for me so like i'm i'm in that state of full focus for sure
0: yeah well and and part of it too like you're you, like you said, you're trying to process this information and spit it back out and come but I mean like trying to I think one of the things about these podcasts that we're doing is that it's they're uh, in large measure, I know here's a behind the scenes look guys in large measure unscripted, you know that we're trying to work through issues in the moment. It's mm-hmm. not like, uh, hey, we planned out beforehand that you're going to say this part, Brad, and then I'm going to come back with this part. It's We're trying to like, all let right, right, let's, let's see if we can come to a certain conclusion about our topic while we're talking about it, which requires the understanding of the words that you're saying, the processing of them, and then adding on to those ideas all at the same time. This is a pretty mentally intensive activity. You're right. I could not be doodling right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a struggle to do other things. You know, when someone walks across my field of vision, it's difficult (laughs) to maintain (laughs) focus on the things that you're saying and be able to adequately respond. So even just observing someone walking, that makes things much more difficult. Yeah. Interesting. So I like this idea of uh the intensity of the activity that's occurring, how much um, brain resources it requires to do. Okay.
1: Yeah. Another point about brain resources real quick in a teaching setting. Um I had a biology class or something. I think it was advanced biology in, in high school. And my teacher at the time was like, you guys need to write notes. This is what you must do. If you write your notes and you turn them in, you'll get bonus points. If you do the study guides, you'll get bonus points on the final exam. You know, whatever. Like he, he pushed notes hard. And everybody had their little notebook out, whatever. I made it a point to have a completely empty desk every day. So one, because I'm a punk, especially back then, <laughs> and I was making a point, but um that I don't like notes. For me it doesn't work the act of me listening and then transforming that into a note distracts me from learning the thing in my opinion because my brain my brain translates it to a written form and then my brain makes the like has the idea of i put it in a written form i no longer need to care about it because i just wrote it down there it is my note has been taken I no longer need to remember it. So I had an empty desk every day in that class and I paid strict attention to everything he said. And my intent was, I'm going to hear what he says, understand it, and then remember it. That was my process. And at the end of the year, during that final exam, I got one of the highest grades in the class because my intent was to learn as hard as I could. And that Worked out well for me. Um, everybody else's intent was I need the extra credit for filling out the study guide, filling in the blanks. Like, how many times can you fill out a crossword puzzle and then remember all the words in that crossword puzzle, which you just did? Like, you know, like, especially if you're just listening for somebody to tell the answers, like five across, it's like it's going to be symbiosis or whatever. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fill, fill in the study guide, I see it. Right, and then you are asked later, "What words did you write down?" Like you weren't paying attention; you were filling in the form, you were doing the thing, right? And that was my my philosophy back then, and it worked out to this point. And so that's why I also have this <laughs> contrary opinion of people can't multitask; they can only switch tasks rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's my opinion with that and i've done well in my life by saying this is important enough to have my full attention and that's okay other people may not feel the need to do it i'm going to do it and it's given me an edge that other people don't have i'm not saying i'm smarter than those other kids it's just i tried something different and it worked for me
0: well this is very interesting that you say this um And I wish I had more information on this. Now, remember, guys, we are not experts in any fields other than the ones we (laughs) claim to be experts in. I'm an English teacher. That's my field. Uh, But I I remember taking this psychology class. And in the psychology class, it was specific to educational psychology. And um, it it was like multiple coding or something like that. I, I don't remember if that's a particular language that they were using. But it has to do with how your brain works and retains information. Um, and there's a strong, uh, argument in the psychological, uh, education sphere that what, when you have multiple senses engaged in the learning activity, then it is retained in your mind easier. Which I think is part of the argument for notes, even if you don't read your notes. Because honestly, that's one of the things that I do. I never, pretty much never read my notes. If I write them, it's just because I'm writing them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's, I'm writing them down, but it also becomes mine. I'm translating them in my own way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a synthesis sort of thing. I'm taking information and putting it in my own words. It's not just a repetition of what it was for me. So I I think you brought up an interesting point as to what exactly the activity is that you're doing. So for me, it was an engaging activity. I had to figure out what was being said and translate it. Um, And then the actual process of having a hand on paper, moving back and forth, is kind of part of the memorizing experience. It's like, as I learned these concepts, I remember feeling the paper on my hand, the ink smearing, the, you know, the edge catching and ripping or whatever it was, it this whole sensory process of tactile experience engaged in this process of learning something from my teacher. Um, and for, for whatever reason, I, I think you, you brought up a good argument as to why it might also work in the other direction, depending on how The activity is used, Uh, but it's, it's, I think all the same, it's, it's the sensory details. If I'm not mistaken, the sense that's actually most associated with memory is smell. I mean, it's, it's a funky one. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you're just kind of going along, fat, dumb and happy one day, and you get this random whiff of smell just out and who knows where it has no association with anything. You just get a smell. You're like, I'm three. Uh, I have remember swinging on the swing and mom was cooking dinner. She was making bacon, (laughs) you know, you're just like out of the blue. I haven't thought of that in years. I don't know why that came up, but that random whiff of smell made me think about that.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I've had that for sure. Um, never that specific, like I'm on the swing doing this thing, but people, places, uh um, like eras not, not necessarily like a specific moment but definitely had that There's usually an emotion attached to that smell as well
0: yeah yeah absolutely for some yeah so and i think it's that a multiple coding thing if i'm even using that correctly like i said i don't i don't remember how exactly it worked, but you're <laughs> more than stuff. one sense is being engaged in the writing of memories or putting in your brain something to keep away keep logged away whether so that's why film is such a a fantastic medium because you're seeing things while hearing things at the same time. And so it's, you're getting the oral and the visual elements in one go. Um, and then if you're eating popcorn all at the same time, you're getting that taste and tactile feel the butter on your fingers, all of those like are creating an experience that is easier to recall. Um, Something for me that's been interesting, I've noticed in reading, when I'm retaining information about reading, I am terrible at retaining information from Kindle books because they just kind of flip. Or if you're on a PDF or maybe a website and you're scrolling on your phone or even on a laptop or something, and it just kind of has this endless scroll. I I don't retain the information as well. I, I still retain information pretty well, but... If I'm reading it in a physical book, I can remember, all right, it was about a third of the way through the book. So a little bit on the left side, a lot of it on the right side. It was, um, should have been on the left hand page, about two thirds of the way down the page. And, (laughs) you know, I've got spatial awareness going on because of the visual placement of where the text was that I was looking at. And the way the book feels in my hand all at the same time, you know, flipping back the pages and feeling the weight of each page on either side. So it's this tactile experience and the visual experience, as well as the mental all going on at the same time. Whereas with a Kindle book or a PDF, all of those sensory details are absent completely. And it's much harder for me to remember, even though I can, I still can remember. It's just more difficult.
1: Okay. I have thoughts, but first trivia, because we're 40 minutes in. <laughs> in a survey of 2,000 adults, so 18 years old and above, in the United States, how much time do people spend on their cell phone, their smartphone, not including work-related activities on a <laughs> given day?
0: on a given day how, what was the did we have an age range
1: 18 plus
0: 18 plus adults adults how much time do they spend on their phone
1: outside of work outside of work this give is gonna a, be an ugly number give me a the number isn't hours so give me hours
0: yeah no i figured um uh, so let's say how long are people awake <laughs> <laughs> If you're awake from, Oh, I don't know. Let's say you wake up at six, go to bed at 10 and you get your full nice eight hours of sleep.
1: Yeah. So you have 16 hours to work with. So
0: 16 hours in your day, a traditional work day is eight hours. Um, that leaves eight more. So I'm going to go five or
1: six. Six. Five or six, or six. So you're thinking 75% of people's free time was on their cell phone. Dude, yes. (laughs) You are correct. The the range (laughs) was five to six hours is the most common results. You nailed it. Um, 46% of respondents came out with five to six hours on your phone on a daily basis. Wow.
0: Okay, so it wasn't like perfect. 46% of respondents, so it's probably the largest category of respondents. Largest category, yes.
1: Less Less than one hour was 5%, one to two hours was 16%, three to four hours was 22%, and seven hours or more was 11%. Seven.
0: I'm feeling very proud right
1: now. <laughs> nailed. It. You nailed it that we're ruining our lives. Um so <laughs> the to respond to your thing about the multiple coding, which may or may not be a real thing.
0: But, <laughs> it's a um, thing. I just don't know if I'm calling it by the right name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing.
1: I think this is where I'm gonna to have to say we're different. Because people learn differently, and I think that's been established. At least, like, whatever. But the things you described while writing are all distractions to me. Like the feel of the paper, getting the the corners stuck, smudging the ink, trying to figure out how to spell that freaking word. You spell (laughs) it wrong, you have to erase and rewrite it. Oh, wait, what did that professor just say as I was trying to deal with that stupid word I couldn't spell? Oh, wait, like, I'm trying to write fast. Like, all those things distract me. I have never once remembered something better because ah, oh, I felt paper at the same time I heard a thing like that. That has never been a thing for me, ever. Um, but when I get back to that biology class where I didn't take notes, I remember distinctly about the Punnett squares that we were <laughs> learning about um, and how those worked. Like the the method I used wasn't. Let's add other senses to this learning. I broke it down into concepts and I broke it down to, why is this important to me? Um, and that question has, again, guided me throughout my, my entire life. I hear, a, I learn something. then how do I apply that to my life? And then my brain saves that concept and files it away. And and, and that's what it is. And like that's that's how I work. It, it's never, it's never been about the multi-sensory stuff for whatever reason for me like I I do remember multi-sensory things um, of course and like other memories but for concepts and learning especially in a school setting it's never been about that
0: well you also mentioned the distraction right so if any one of those elements, Uh, becomes too much its own becomes too self-important then you're reallocating resources again Uh, so that might be where the problem arises i don't know if it's necessarily the problem of having sensory data it's just that sensory data is too self-important
1: to be useful and i think i just have always struggled with writing like physically taking a pencil or pen and writing like that is something that I need to work on, um, and mm-hmm. like think about, um, same thing with doodling. Like, everybody's like, yeah, I just doodle. Like you doodled all the time. And I loved your doodles, love your dad's doodles. I'm like, I want to do that. So I tried doodling in class, but all of my resources went to trying to make it not look terrible. Right. Cause I wasn't like <laughs> naturally talented to do it. So like that thing took me effort. Um, you mentioned movies about being a great medium with um, sound and visuals and you mentioned popcorn or whatever. Um, again the popcorn distracts me but what enhances the movies for me is the the ambiance of the theater the reactions of the other people that Mm. that does something for me for sure to enhance the moment um i remember distinctly seeing the dark knight in theaters with my best friend at the time um and having him there watching it with me like it made a difference and like it change the experience and that moment in time where we watched the credits and we didn't even look at each other. we were just like so taken aback by that movie because at the time it was like the most intense edgy movie we had seen because we were like young teenagers and we, we were just blown away by what just happened to us. like that was just crazy and like a lot of people in the theater are having similar reactions and that was that enhances that that moment for sure. Uh-huh. but i had another point i was going to go to and it's gone because <laughs> i got stuck in that moment because that, that memory is so powerful to me so like it's i see exactly what you're saying but i got the point back my dad and i we play video games my dad hates video games and he doesn't like to play them very much and i have to force him to do it so when i play a video game i'm just playing you. the game right sorry what was that
0: i said how fun, <laughs> how fun. <laughs> being forced my, to play video games
1: right and so my yeah. dad and i was like dad come play with me dad come play with me. growing up this entire time and he had to like so dad just press square to do the thing and so he looked down at his hands and he tried to find the square button right and then he he pushed yeah. that button and like it became an extra. Slipping into German, an extra obstacle to overcome <laughs> to, to to get the thing to do what it was supposed to. For me, I pick up a controller and I'm, I just I just play the game. Like I almost never think about what my buttons are doing or what I'm pressing. Like I just intuitively grasp it and move on, and that's great and it works for me perfectly. But for other people, it doesn't. And I think it's writing and doodling is that for me. I don't just intuitively pick that up and can ignore it. I have to put in a lot of effort to make that work. Yeah. There we go. Point made. I'm done.
0: now. Okay. We may be getting somewhere. So boredom is this process or this state of being dissatisfied with your current state of affairs or your mind's engagement. Mm -hmm. Engagement, how much... How many resources are allocated to this particular activity? Uh, Well, I mean, we we talked about it being like a muscle, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. How it's like, yeah, I got this. I can handle this. Give me more to do all at once. So it seems the more practice that you have at a certain activity, for instance, doodling. For you, doodling was hard because it was something that you hadn't Really felt skilled in already. So you had to pay extra attention to it. For your dad, it was an activity where I don't know where the square is located on this controller. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to find it first. Once you do those things repetitively and enough, you no longer have to allocate those resources. It's you've worked out your brain enough, you've become stronger. And so it's easier to be bored with the same activity if it's over and over again, because you become better at handling that activity, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. well, I, I, it seems like boredom's almost this process of, of building upon what you already have and know and upping the ante. It's like, it's, it's almost like your brain signaling, I've got it now. What we're doing, it's handled. Give me something
1: else. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And like, I, we've been using the school setting a lot to frame this conversation, but so many times when I was bored in class, my thought was, I already know this. Or like, yeah. this isn't something I really need. Like, my brain kicked off and was like, I've already got this. Don't worry about it. Like exactly what you just said. Like I I didn't realize it until you mentioned it, but that was the trigger for the boredom. Like this is no longer interesting or relevant to me. And the brain, my brain was just confidently saying you don't need to pay attention. It's it's cool.
0: It's no longer (laughs) a workout. I got this. I got this. Yeah.
1: Interesting. All right. This is, yeah. All
0: right. Um, I think I had another thought with that and I don't know where it went. See, this is not a boring conversation because I obviously don't got this yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me
1: we've talked about school now, so let's get out of school. Yeah. You're you're at home, you've got your eight hours of unscheduled time. Let's pretend you are a single individual, no family whatever's you you just ordered takeout foods taken care of you've got the entire evening in front of you um you said that boredom is a good thing and this whole phone usage trivia question was leading to another point when when you trick your brain into not being bored by feeding it mundane stuff so external stimuli External stimuli, but external stimuli that you're not engaging with. Like um I want to bring what up Boba need Fett. Clarification. Like Boba Fett. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad example. Um I have to actively engage to get through that show. So the I think of a show that you've seen a thousand times before. Like um Whatever your favorite show is, you know the lines, you can quote it. You just put it on, right? And you just kind of half watch, half don't watch the show. Because like you're 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 eating, you're you're on your phone, you have the show on, right? You're doing enough stuff to meet your brain's resource requirement for not being bored, but nothing is happening. Uh-huh. It, it's like the you're you're filling the gap, but nothing's happening in your brain. And if you do that enough, your brain does notice it. It just doesn't know how to like express that to you. And I feel like that's where dissatisfaction with like where your life is going comes from in a lot of cases. If I'm gonna make this crazy jump into like existential crises, okay. Because your, your brain eventually, again, this is from personal experience, when, when you're just consuming media on a very base level, and you're not engaging with it, it's not challenging you, you're not feeling anything, you're not learning anything, you're just watching meme collection videos, you're just doing whatever, just you know baseline entertainment, your brain eventually kicks it back and says, dude... Nothing that you've been giving me does anything for me. I feel so dissatisfied with all of this. You can't just keep doing this. You got to have something else, (laughs) right? And like, as soon as you get those feelings, you're like, I don't like feeling this. Let's distract myself again. And you get back into it. It's like this vicious cycle. And, and, And so you have like a breakdown. So are you
0: saying here? Because as you were talking, I was trying to figure out how this was working. You know, if boredom is this process, if your brain telling you, "I've got this." Yeah, you know, how does this how does this work? Why isn't it telling you that when you know you're you've got these really mundane things to entertain yourself with? But it, you say it comes on a grand scale. It eventually tells you mm-hmm. something. Well, I wonder then, is it is the phone and just cheap, easy media, is it the junk food of your brain? You know, is it, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if the analogy quite works, but it, it's you know, it's that thing where it's like, yeah, this is good, this is satisfying, uh, tastes good, yeah, 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 but then. It, too much of it, and after a long while, you're like, <laughs> 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 "That yeah. wasn't good. We need to fix something because I'm feeling funny." But a, a mental version of your body feeling bloated and big because it's something that's oh, ultimately unfulfilling. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can be engaged but unfulfilled
1: hundred percent okay. I definitely believe that yeah mm-hmm.
0: well I think this has been enlightening <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we've really determined here um but for one for me I I think I have noticed some of that you know uh, I have moments where I entertain myself with some quick, easy media, whether that's my phone or not. And I feel like the phone gets often a lot of flack. Uh, Maybe it's deserved, maybe it's not. Uh, Maybe it's us that's really the problem, but it's, there's, (laughs) especially when I come home from a day, you know, it's passive entertainment is so easy to reach for. Um, but I remember particularly, I'm not in this per- period right now, I have too much to do, even when I come home. <laughs> but I recall a time coming home that I, I had gotten into this pattern of just kind of vegging out for a while when I got home. And I was like, Oh, no, I need to, to do something. And so that's actually when I started making wands this is really weird so those of you listening and don't know this i make wands i'm one of those weird dudes i uh the the whole thing is i had been gifted a lathe like a wood lathe and i hadn't done anything with it I hadn't really learned how to do it and i thought what's well, something i could just learn how to do and uh so i'm i'm into harry potter our whole department at the school is kind of harry potter focused we're we're weird like that and so i thought yeah, if I could, you know, make, a, make actual, my own actual wand and I can have it and stuff. So I tried it just on a whim one night, and that became my thing that I would do, even though it was late at night uh, and it was after work and after the kids had gone to bed, I'd go, you know, whittle away on the lathe. Something that was engaging but productive. I could see the fruits of my labor, see that my boredom had caused something to happen um and it was fulfilling in that regard whereas other ways that my boredom had been satisfied or not didn't result into anything i was actually reading something so i had i had looked up prior to this um a few days ago about boredom and Mayo Clinic actually had like a thing, boredom. How do I identify symptoms of boredom? <laughs> I was like, Mayo Clinic? This is really what? weird. <laughs> like it's a diagnosis. You are bored. Uh, but there's a, this thing from Psychology Today talking about boredom. And it specifically talked about like this, um, oh, what's what's the specific language? Like the propensity or the... No, the the tendency toward boredom that you, a person can be, have an increased tendency for boredom. And this can be a negative thing because you are so frequently bored that you're looking for those quick fixes. Um, And it's not even necessarily quick entertainment either. It mentions specifically drugs (laughs) You know, something to engage you and alter your state of mind, make something new. And as you mentioned earlier, novel. <laughs> um, something that's just like, oh, hey, look at that. I haven't considered that before. Uh, something at least low level, but it's ultimately unfulfilling. And that's where things cause problems.
1: So. Yeah. Okay. I know we're wrapping up here, but just to, to follow up on that a little bit um the a lot of my thoughts especially as an adult <laughs> especially about these really random concepts that we talk about uh, has been influenced in no small part by the website uh, art of manliness which you actually <laughs> introduced me to a while ago um did i that was me no yeah, you had a book of theirs of like, I did that was that
0: book was gifted to me the art of manliness yeah
1: yeah and so like that book was funny and like ha, ha fun. And there's a website and I'm like oh, okay and since then I'm like I, I get it I understand where they're coming from and as an adult I'm like there is some really great stuff in here um, <laughs> and like I'm subscribed to like their their things one of the things I check on my phone I uh, read their weekly like their weekly devotional about stuff And it's great. Um, but a lot of my, my thoughts are shaped by those articles because I'm really starting to understand them and agree with them more as I get older. The I think boredom is like hunger. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, okay. it, it is a your body giving you a call it's to action. Like yeah. fill this need, please. You know, and so you can do that well or you can do it poorly. And I think your junk food analogy works well here too. Like you can yeah. fill it full of junk food and your hunger is satisfied. You, you did it. You're no longer hungry, but you will pay the consequences of that later. Um, it's not nourishing. You you were vegging out on the couch or wherever you were vegging, doing your thing. And then that boredom crept through. That dissatisfaction crept through and it spurred you to do something completely different. And uh, speaking about this existential problem of like you're just unhappy and unsatisfied with your life if you keep doing this um like if you keep fulfilling your boredom with cheap entertainment the, the recommendation is to do things that take you out of the same frame the, the same whatever like you're in an english classroom most of your day and then when you come home you're hanging out with your family your kids or you're vegging out or whatever the, the furthest thing from your like daily activity is making something with your hands. Yeah. Right? that is something you don't do in the rest of your day. This is different, it's unique. And the same as you did that, I'm making assumptions for you. You felt more fulfilled. Your boredom was satisfied in a better way because instead of teaching, which takes a lot of mental capacity, you were like working with your hands, which takes dexterity. It takes manipulation of tools and it's a completely different skill set. And your brain's like, yeah, this is good. This (laughs) This is is real good. good. (laughs) So that's, it's leg day. Excellent. Good. (laughs) Don't don't talk to me about (laughs) day. I rode my bike for like the first time in like a a year today. And, uh, my brain's like, this is good. My body's like, you're going to die. And, uh, So, conflict of interest there, but (laughs) brain's doing pretty good. Anyway, to say all of this, I think boredom is great when it is applied to making your life better. And, like, it's not quite like hunger, where if you don't satisfy it, you'll die, but boredom spurs you to creativity, to fulfillment if you let it. Yeah. That's my last point.
0: I think your, your main point was, was good. You, you made it early on, right? Is it's, it's this factor of external motivators versus, or external alleviators to your boredom or internal, you know, mm-hmm. if you allow your brain to be bored long enough for it to try and fix the problem itself, I think that's when we start to get some fulfilling stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, really cool conversation. This <laughs> went places that I did not expect to so, Anyway, kind of fun. Uh, I will have to say we have had some interesting moments of creation together with boredom and uh, the creation of this podcast itself. Um, And even our our, our family competitions, we we do these competitions occasionally when we have the time uh, (laughs) that are just kind of all over the place. Uh, Mostly creative in nature. We've done a video competition. We've done a a movie poster competition. Um, But yeah, they've all been creative endeavors because we were mildly dissatisfied with the state of affairs and wanted to improve ourselves and do more. And uh, hopefully we'll get to do some more of those, especially after I finish this master program, because this has been rough. But (laughs) anyway, been a good talk. Thank you all for, uh, for joining us on this really weird discovery of, of boredom (laughs) and uh, we'll see you all next time folks